chair. Staff is ready when you are. Okay, great. Good evening. Welcome to Monday, June 12th, 2023. Uh, and this is the Sacramento Community Police Review Commission. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll and establish quorum? Thank you, Chair. May I please have all the commissioners unmute themselves for roll call? Commissioner Boyan-Rostro? Here. Commissioner Carter? Here. Commissioner Carter-Martinez? Present. Commissioner Espinoza-Salazar? Here. Commissioner Guerrero? I'm sorry, was that me? Yes. <laughs> Present, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> uh, Commissioner Johnson? Commissioner Johnson is absent. Commissioner Marion? Where is it? Commissioner Sample? Commissioner Sample is absent. Vice Chair Bliss? Here. And Chair Castillo Creams? Here. Thank you. We have a quorum. Great. I would like to remind members of the public and chambers that if we if you would like to speak on the agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. For members of the public who wish to join virtually, please refer to the agenda for your Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish to speak, raise your hand to provide public comment. Um, when we confirm that the public comment speaking period on the desired item has begun. If you are online, click on raise your hand on the bottom of your screen. In the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise hand option on the more tab. If you are calling in via telephone to raise your hand, dial star nine, then unmute or mute by dialing star six. Speakers will be called by the last four digits of, the phone, of their phone number. Members of the public, you will have three minutes to speak once you have been called on. And after the first speaker, no uh, other speaker will be accepted. With that, we can now proceed with today's agenda. Now we're going to do the land acknowledgement. Please rise for the opening acknowledgement in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisan people, the Southern Maidu, the Valley and Plain Midwalk Patwin Wintun peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who have come before us and still walk beside us today and on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's histories, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay. So moving on to our first item on the agenda, we have a consent, our consent calendar. And the first item is um, our minutes. Do I have any public... Any, anybody in the chambers that would like to speak on public comment or anybody online? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips and uh, no people online with their hands raised for this item. Great. 
Any members, any commissioners wishing to speak on the item? With that, is there a motion for the consent calendar? Second. Moved by Commissioner Marion and seconded by Commissioner Guerrero. Will the clerk please call the roll? Thank you, Chair. Uh, commissioners, if I could please have you unmute your microphones for the vote. Uh, Commissioner Buenrostro? Aye. Commissioner Carter? Aye. Commissioner Carter Martinez? Aye. Commissioner Espinosa Salazar? Aye. Commissioner Guerrero? Aye. Commissioner Johnson? Aye. Commissioner Marion? Aye. Commissioner Sample is absent. Vice Chair Bliss? Yes. Chair Castillo Krings? Yes. Thank you. The motion passes. Great. Now we are going to proceed on to our discussion calendar. The first item is discussion item number two the Sacramento Community Police Review Commission follow up log. Madam Clerk, would you like to present? Um, I have no presentation on this item. Any members of the public wishing to speak on the item? Um, I have no speaker slips in chambers and no hands raised online. Any members of the commission who would like to speak on this item or questions? Yes, Madam Chair. Commissioner Guerrero? Uh, just a couple things, two things. Uh, one is that item number four requests to agendize a letter from the commission addressing the lack of SPD presence at the commission meetings. We'll be addressing that today, and so that can be removed after today. Um, and then I had uh, posed a question about, I think it's item number 18, um, does SAC PD screen the re equipment vendors following uh, federal and state laws in light of uh, article that I brought before the commission and that I sent to um, uh, uh, assistant, now I'm gonna get your title wrong, Mario, I apologize, my head is, I need to get focused. But uh, I sent it to you, Mario, and I'm just wondering if there might be um, uh, a date or a suggested date by which we might be able to hear back. Hi, Commissioner Guerrero. I, I don't have a date, but um, I know we've been focusing on the MEU policy and the work plan, but I will get back with the department and with the, our purchasing department as well to figure out if, if I can provide you a response. If I can, before the next meeting, I'll provide a response uh, via email as well. Excellent. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. That is all. Great. I have Commissioner um, Bliss. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I have a couple of questions regarding the status on um, some of the requests that I've made back in March, uh, one being the, a presentation on the uh, search and seizure review that was uh, conducted by the uh, Office of Public Safety Accountability. Commissioner one Bliss, can you tell me the number, please? Uh, that was uh, number one on the follow-up log. 
um, wanting to know that uh, I was curious to get an update on the status of that. I was under, I understood that it needed to be presented to city council first and wanted to know when that would be happening. If the city, uh, manager's office had any, uh, had any timeline on when that would be coming before city council. I believe on the 20th of this month, an audit report from the OPSA will be, will be forthcoming, but um, I don't know if that is firm on the agenda yet, but I believe that's a tentative timeline. Thank you for that. Um, I also wanted to know, and this one's more directed towards uh, OPSA, was uh, when, when we could expect the um, uh, second quarter report to come out and uh, if they will uh, I, I assume it would, like it'll be in August, if not September, and just wanted to make sure that um, or reiterate that we're still hoping to have that presentation. At least I am uh, for our August meeting. So just wanted an update on the timeline for that uh, when they can provide that. But I know Dr. Watson's not here at the moment, so uh, no worries. Uh, I will hope we will hopefully get a response back after this meeting, um, and. Also um, was wanting to, an update on the uh, request, oh, sorry, my apologies. I'm, this is kind of broken up in, in an interesting way. Um, also was hoping for an update on the Inspector General's uh, re uh, reporting and findings on, the, on its uh, officer-involved shootings. Uh, and when the earliest that might be completed so that we could agendize that uh, at the point of the, or at some point this year. Okay. Information from the Inspector General, sorry. Understood. Um, hopefully we can get that, uh, or an update on that as well between meetings. And also um, didn't get an update yet from the, uh, we, I requested a legal memo regarding uh, council rules of procedure uh, related to the process on um, agendizing items on the agenda that are uh, either within or outside of the scope of our work plan. And um, uh, one, and uh, we had been told by the city attorney's office that they would provide a memo for us to that. I hadn't received that as of yet. Uh, if I'm missing something, just let me know, but just wanted to see if there was any updates on that. Sure, Steve Itagaki from the city attorney's office. Uh, I don't know the status of that, but I can certainly follow up with that and get back to you. Okay, appreciate that. And then uh, there's uh, one more that I was looking for, which was uh, a presentation on the hiring process for the uh, police chief uh, wanted to, uh, we were, we had, Last time we had checked about this back in March, um, we were we had asked, uh, Commissioner Carter had asked who declined the request and uh, the reasoning, the explanation for uh, the decline of the request from the city manager's office to uh, present on hire, the hiring process for the Sacramento Police Department chief. Um, and we had requested a legal memo asking if hiring of the chief is within the commission's purview. Uh, do we have a status on that yet? So that decision was made by the city manager. The city manager has the purview of hiring the chief and following that process. And so, uh, yeah, um, a presentation will not be made to the commission on that process. Yes, uh, well, this one's, or here on that, 
the request for a legal memo, though, uh, about whether the hiring of the police chief is within the commission's purview. Is that coming from the city manager's office or the city attorney's office? That, that would not be coming from the city manager's office. Just, right. And just to clarify, what happened was that the reason that was given was that the commission does not actually have the legal or that does not fall within our scope. However, the actual code that ended up creating us is very clear that hiring practices are, are within our purview. And so my understanding was that the legal department was gonna write up a memo explaining what was or was not within our ability to ask for a presentation on this. And so I think just clarity on that would be really helpful. Sure, I can follow up on that also. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. And last, I wanted to check in was uh, regarding a uh, presentation by the city clerk's office on the process of taking recommendations to council and, uh, uh, you know, and, and the PMP process of, uh, of establishing a timeline um, or, pro or formal process on, uh, on how our recommendations were, uh, in relation to the adoption of chapter 2.40. Does the city clerk, uh, they said the last we heard was that the schedule was pending. Do we have a timeline on when we can expect that? I don't believe we have a timeline on that yet. And I think part of the process is kind of what we're doing tonight with the 2018 recommendations and trying to figure out how are we gonna work through this is my understanding. Cause it's, that's part of the work that we're doing as well. Gotcha, so we're, until we get an update from the police department's office around like our recommendations, like we're getting So tonight. we're starting that tonight, right? Tonight we have 2018, uh -huh. and I know they're working through each of the years that they have in front of them. And so then the question is gonna be, what is it, what is gonna be, I think we're gonna be working with um, the city manager's office to try to figure out what is the next process. So the first item was, I think that we had been asking everyone to give us a little more clarity as to where each of the recommendations are. I think 2018 is what we're gonna discuss today, and then we can continue that conversation as to how we move forward. Okay. I think that's all, uh, that's all, the only question I have. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Carter. Thank you. I also had a question on number 13, the hiring process, practices of Sacramento Police Department. And for clarification, the ordinance says we um, can give recommendations on hiring practices. However, when it came to the chief of police, it seems that the commission was entirely out of the loop. We weren't at the table. I don't think anybody here was present in the entire process. And so my position for the record is, given is that the chief of police is the top position and leadership is supposed to come from the top, and this is a commission on oversight of the Sacramento Police Department, you'd think that somebody here, whether the chair or the vice chair, would be invited to the table to participate in the process. And we were not in the process at all, so that seems a little bit hypocritical. Um, and for the city manager or whoever made a decision to just say no, they're not gonna provide any response, that's a little bit hypocritical too, given that the ordinance clearly says that we are to give uh, recommendations on hiring practices. So if we're gonna give hiring on some folks but not others, then I think um, the whole issue needs to be revisited and at a minimum, the next time some person of high stature is gonna be hired, whether it's the deputy chief of police or the chief of police, at least give an invitation to the chair or the vice chair of the committee of this commission so we can at least be part of the process. 
you know, even if it's not the entire process, but you have, uh, in the past, they've had community members and leaders participate on panels. I don't believe that anyone here was even invited to be on a panel. So that's what I want to say for the record. Also, number 19, regarding the Professional Standards Unit, we have new commissioners here that may or may not know what the Professional Standards Unit does for the Sacramento Police Department. And uh, I raised the issue to put on the law that someone from that unit come and speak to the commission. And I see that there's not even a status update on that. It's just blank. So if I can get an update on number 19, I'd appreciate it. So here's the issue. The work plan is what the department will be focusing on addressing with the commission. That's why the work plan was adopted and that's where the effort is gonna be. This log um, will be secondary to that work plan and therefore I don't have a timeline on these issues that are on the log. What we're focusing, what the department will be focusing on in terms of submitting responses is the work plan that was adopted that went to uh, PNPE committee and was approved and, and we're working off that approved work plan. Um, but the log will remain here, um, and to the extent that we can get to the items on the log, we will, but I don't have a specific timeline or update for you on that. Thank you. and cultural thing if if I'm hearing you correctly if the professional standards presentation falls within that work plan then we can have that discussion so like that's right so you have to tie it to the work plan right your data request okay Commissioner Carter I will go ahead and work with you on that okay I will follow up um, on the accountability and we'll be working on that okay any other commissioners Commissioner Bliss is that a new request uh, you uh, partially addressed it, honestly, uh, because I think that Car uh, Commissioner Carter's request absolutely falls in line with our work plan uh, for the later half of this year. So um, if we need to make like a formal request outside of that, I'm fine with that. But yeah, just wanted to make sure. We yeah, but I, uh, so let's step back. I think the frustration has been coming from every time we try to ask PD to give us information and we get frustrated when they don't do that. Mm -hmm. I think the agreement has been, let's go ahead and make sure that we're prioritizing how many requests we want and how quickly we want those answered. And as long as we're able to tie it back to the, kind of what we agreed, and that's I think what we're being asked to do. Let's tie it back, and that way we prioritize, right? Because at the end of the day, it is true. If you end up having 20 requests, how do you want them to prioritize it? How do we want them to kind of organize themselves? How do we want to use each of these meetings? So I think what we're trying to do with the work plan is not that we're not adding new information, but I think we have to be cognizant of how we tie it all in. Okay. So I think, I think we just gotta work on figure out, figuring out how this is not a new piece. This is part of that conversation. Heard. Yeah, I'd be happy to work with you and uh, Commissioner Carter as well on uh, getting some of these other log request items. Yes, yeah. and again, I think, I think again, one of the, the other things um, we'll talk about later is also one of the other things that 
a lot of the new commissioners should kind of avail themselves of is kind of the ride-alongs and other things where you can actually interact with PD, understand some of the work that they're doing that doesn't necessarily have to be tied into the log. So th that's additional information that I just want to make sure that folks know that that is available. They are willing and have offered. So, um, but Commissioner Carter, I think it sounds like we will be reaching out to you and having that conversation. Thank you. Okay. Any other comments? Not, not seeing any from the commissioners. This is just an item is received and filed, so no vote is required. We will move on to our following discussion item. And this one is discussion item number three, the Sacramento Community Police Review Commission proposed community outreach plan uh, for the city MEU, which is the military equipment use policy. And I think the introduction to Lynette Hall, who's a city community um, engagement manager, but I don't believe she's here today. Great. Um, so as everybody knows, we were supposed to have this item last month and unfortunately we did not have quorum. Thank you for those that did show up in the chambers. Um, so really quickly, a couple of things that we've been doing and working through. The draft in front of you is a draft. Um, a couple of you have raised your hands and just so in full disclosure and transparency, Right now, Commissioner Bliss, Commissioner um, Carter Martinez, and myself, and Commissioner um, Wendrostro are working on a like, smaller subgroup to try to figure out how to kind of get this process up and running, especially relying on their expertise in community outreach and organization. So we're kind of having those discussions. So there has been an agreement between the police department and the city that we are gonna basically be participating in three different community outreach um, programs, not programs, but community meetings. And um, Mr. Lada has been very, very instrumental in helping us secure not only the facility, the community, but we're also gonna be talking about providing um, refreshments for people that show up, providing potentially childcare. And so we really are trying to make it easy for the community to show up and provide um, additional conversation when it comes to the update uh, that the police is gonna provide. So we're still working through that agenda. And I'm gonna stop right there. I know you guys have a, a draft in front of you, see if you have any questions. But first we have to go to the public. Any questions or comments from the public on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips in chambers and no members of the public online with their hands raised. Great. Any questions or comments by commissioners? Those commissioners that I, we've been talking, any other things that you wanna add? Commissioner Guerrero. Um, just a question. Um, um, is, are these uh, community um, conversations going to be moderated uh, by a third party or are they, are they gonna be moderated by, you know, uh, the commission, any number of the commissioners. Uh, I think the, correct me if I'm wrong, but part of what I think wasn't done well last time by the city was um, having a, you know, not having, I'm gonna rephrase, not having a um, third party kind of uh, maybe more neutral um, mediating entity. <laughs> Great question. And that is one of the things that we're working, actively working on and trying to find a facilitator that can help. So plan B would be for some of the commissioners here to help facilitate that discussion. But really I think given, given 
what we know from the last time that this happened, having a professional facilitator that has the skills to really kind of ensure that the conversation is respectful and productive is what we're aiming for. I know that um, we've been kind of having conversations with some of the commissioners um, on the dais. I've also been having conversations with the city, had reached out to the mayor's office and trying to kind of find uh, if there are folks that you know of. That's the other thing. We have not been able to solidify or find a facilitator for all three events. We're working on it. But if anybody has, as part of your network, has somebody that you think would be good to help with this conversation, please reach out to myself just so I can, I can we're trying to reach out and kind of, again, the 24th is around the corner so we don't have tons of time. Again, plan B would be that um, we work with the city and we work with the expertise on this dais to try to facilitate, but our preferred approach is to have somebody who understands how to have this, this conversation. My uh, second question was um, uh, just the sensitivity around who's in the room, right? We know we want community and that's open, um, but um, ensuring that there is representation from the city who Will, who from the city is going to, you know, attend that, um, you know, would be, and who from SAC PD would, would be attending, who's appropriate to attend. So, you know, whatever subcommittee's working on it, I just want to make sure that those two items are, are addressed so that, again, it's a, um, folks that come feel like it's a safe space and that there are people that are going to take their um, feedback um, appropriately. No, and that's one of the reasons we wanted to bring this up as an item of discussion. A couple of other things that have come up in our, in our conversation, and this is something that Lynette Hall brought up. She basically made it clear that we should not have like a dais and then be presenting to the community, that this should be how we, how we basically set up the chairs, right? Signals, inclusiveness. And so those are the kind of comments I know in our conversation we had um, yesterday with Commissioner Buenrostro, he was bringing up about are there any translation um, services that can be provided? And maybe the answer right now might not be, might be no, we don't have those resources, but I th what, what we're hoping to do is continue to learn from what we get well and what needs improvement, right? And so that as we continue to do these, they just kind of get better and better and we have a, a process that actually community feels is working. So please let me know if there's any ideas that come up now. If not, if later, just make sure you're communicating with Audriel, because I don't want to violate the Brown Act. But these are the kind of, this is what I'm hoping that we're tapping into the expertise here. Also, if we have any other commissioners who would like to join this process and help us think through it, there could be one more. So please raise your hands if you'd like to. Fantastic, we have one more, we have another taker. Um, and one of the things is we had a preliminary meeting yesterday, I will reach out to you via email. Unfortunately, we can't have more than five people but if you have any other ideas, just make sure that you include Audriel um, in th that email. Actually, just Audriel, she will communicate. We don't want to do a, have a violation. Um, and any other feedback is welcome. I'm hoping that everybody has put that on their calendar and, and help us be there. I know some of you have travel plans already, so just let me know. Um, and th that is a question that I'm going to have to work with our city attorney. Can more than five commissioners show up to the same meeting? That might be something you need to get back to us on, but um, that would be important for us to know. Sure, it depends, yes, yeah. Yes, that's, I, I, that's why that. I'm asking. Um, and I'm gonna put um, the, Mr. Get, Mr. Lara, not Guerrero. Mr. Lara, anything else that you'd like to comment on this item? 
did you confirm the dates? So the dates are set, the community centers are set, we have the childcare already arranged, and I think food has already been arranged, but you're correct. Um, I did reach out to Lynette, who is unfortunately not here this evening, and she is working on trying to help identify a, a moderator as well, so. I know that um, both of us had reached out to the mayor's office and we're working on trying to get um, some folks, so that is gonna be this, something that we're working on, and I know I've talked to some of you already about a couple of ideas, so. Great, any other questions, thoughts, feedback? Commissioner Buenrostro. Thank you, and um, I just wanna elevate a few things that um, might have been mentioned before, but I, I just wanna thank you again for raising the language access issue. Um, whether it's possible for these meetings to provide authentic translations uh, in some of the common languages in Sacramento County, um, sorry, in the city of Sacramento, I, I think it's something that we need to be thinking about for any outreach activities that the city has. Um, and uh, even more important for a topic such as this. Um, so I just wanna elevate that further and, and hope that there's some considerations for that. If it's possible for this, for these group of outreach activities, great. Um, if not, I hope that it's something that is considered for future meetings. Um, the, another thing that I wanna say that we mentioned in the conversations was just the importance of having uh, a welcoming environment. So a, a few things that, that I think can help with that would be having food, having refreshments for folks, having childcare uh, for folks that might be coming uh, back from work during those times or, or, or uh, need to find other arrangements. Um, so I, I, I just wanna elevate those as well. Uh, and then another thing that we have been talking about are just what, what community groups uh, we, should do, we should be doing outreach to. Um, so we're happy to help with any of the outreach activities and, and um, I think it's something that we wanna keep talking about, how, how we're gonna do the outreach, uh, what are the groups that we wanna send it to and, and I think it'd be helpful to have a good sense of, of um, how the city is going to be doing the outreach for these activities so that we can collaborate and add on to, to those activities. And then I just have a question about the, the survey, because um, I, I see that a survey was included in the plan. Um, is that something that we might be able to take a look at or review before it goes out? Um, or what, what is the timeline for, for, for that piece of the activity? I believe the survey is being worked on currently. I will see if I can get um, a draft uh, available to the chair and vice chair uh, before it goes live. And would it be possible to at least have that be translated for different audiences? We'll work on that. Commissioner Carter Martinez. My question was similar to Commissioner Buenrostro's question. Um, what is the plan for doing outreach to the community to get community partners engaged in these meetings? Uh, and who are the partners that we're using to inform the community that these meetings are happening and that um, they're open to the public and should be attended? Thank you. 
Thank you for that question. That is actually something that I was gonna follow up with um, the city manager's office and kind of coordinate. And, and in terms of one of the things I'm hoping to do that we can tap into our networks and kind of outreach folks, make sure that we're kind of amplifying, not only through the city services, and I know that Lynette Hall had also like, um, had offered to use some of the PSA that she's able to do and just really trying to amplify it. But again, I think part of it is once we have information as to what we can disseminate, how do we use our collective networks to kind of get that information out. Any other questions? Commissioner, Commissioner Bliss, I need to remember it's right in front of me. Oh good, it's been a minute. <laughs> um, yeah, these are really, good questions that we need to be asking. And um, I hope that we can, uh, in, in addition to you know the survey uh, draft, if we can get a response about potential for language translation services. Um, I've been in meetings where <clears throat> it's possible for uh, organizations to um, provide translators via Zoom if uh, without having to like necessarily broadcast the whole thing, but more just like having people um, uh, in their ear that somebody can dial in from their phone and be able to have somebody that's live that's watching the meeting live uh, and then just translating directly into their ear. Um, but that's one idea and I hope that we can get some, uh, at least some translation services, especially even just uh, ASL interpretation would be uh, super helpful. Um, I also wanted to, uh, or you know, make sure that we uh, get an update too from the PD about materials uh, during the uh, presentation or like during these community sessions. Uh, one of the things that we had identified here was making sure that there was um, uh, not just a, a 10 to 15 minute presentation on the MEU policy, but also um, a handout that provides an overview of annual use statistics, demographic data that's been collected, budget numbers um, on the cost of the inventory, as well as anticipated policy changes coming up uh, uh, when it's brought back to the city council for approval. Um, and then also having a note taker who can compile notes from the meeting um, and that this and allow this, these notes to be shared with community members in an uh, anonymized format that just highlights some of the key takeaways, uh, recurring themes and any unanswered questions. Um, as we're looking for a facilitator, I just wanted to check to see if we are also looking for or have somebody already in mind for uh, note taking purposes. No, I, but I made a note of it, and it's something that I will take back to see if we can do, along with the translation services as well, with the language access services, take notes. I appreciate that. Yeah, and just for the public record, we'll note that um, as, of, as of today, we have uh, locations confirmed for the Hart Community Center on Saturday, um, June 24th, uh, as well as the Pennell Meadowview Community Center. Um, on Thursday, July 6th in the evening, and then the Hagenwood Community Center on Thursday, July 27th uh, in the evening. Thank you for reading those dates. Commissioner Car Carter. Yes, I see there's a suggestion that the community meetings be publicized through the local news channels. I think that's an excellent idea. I have found that in the past, when we just reach out to our regular stakeholders, that half of the community doesn't show up or there something else is going on. For example, when we did workshops at Hagenwood Community Center, the last time we did that, there was a barbecue going on outside the center. So half the people were at the barbecue and few people were in the room 
for the commission meeting. So if we um, reach out to Channel 10 and any other network that's willing to do a free, you know, publicity of the upcoming meetings, maybe we can reach a broader spectrum of the community and um, perhaps more people will actually show up and participate because b both um, of the workshops that we did in the past, a lot of the community was missing. And then at um, Bonnie Pinnell Community Center, there was a conflict. DOJ had a workshop going on and the commission had the workshop going on, so the community was split. So hopefully on the dates that were chosen, there's no other community uh, law enforcement type activity that's going on so that everybody can show up in the room and not have to decide, well, I want to listen, I want to participate in the DOJ outreach, but I also want to go to the commission outreach and then they have to choose. So that's what happened in the past. That's it. Thank you, Commissioner Carter. Commissioner Bliss. Yes, that, uh, thank you, Commissioner Carter. That also reminded me around promotion. Um, absolutely agree that we should make sure that uh, there aren't any, like, you know, that we're getting this out as far and wide. And one of the things that I remember us discussing uh, when we had talked about this with uh, the city was having this promoted on the city's social media accounts, particularly like council members' uh, social media accounts. And given their, uh, their extensive list, you know, for two constituents, having uh, these dates sent out to their full list um, as part of their, you know, uh, regular monthly newsletters or what have you. And also um, uh, on radio, which I believe uh, there was a potential for a radio program that uh, might be able to promote these as well. I also uh, want to encourage each of us, too, on this commission to be reaching out directly to our city council members um, to ask them if they will uh, share these dates uh, and locations uh, on their social media pages and their accounts directly as, in addition to what uh, the city manager uh, and uh, the outreach and engagement uh, department are going to be doing uh, as well. But just to ensure that we're getting as many people here as, as we can uh, through our elected representatives. The other question that I was going to ask was um, in terms of elected representatives, we had talked about having at least, um, uh, you know, at least the, uh, enough city council representatives to just be in present, I believe, is what we had talked about. Um, it, like at, at each one, uh, based upon like where they are located uh, relative to the lo location. Um, understanding that they have uh, Brown Act requirements that may limit them to like no more than three at a time or something like that in the same space. But also ask, like in the ask, we should ask them too if they're able to attend the, uh, the meetings there, at least to, if only to listen. Commissioner Guerrero. On the issue of um, having inter uh, um, interpretation and, and um, and um, of the different kinds, I was just going to say, um, just as a, I, I would, some, you know, sometimes we do the best we can and the outreach isn't as successful. And I wanna acknowledge that, um, especially as we, this seems like a lot of resources. Um, and I definitely appreciate the city for, for doing this. So I wonder, I was wondering if um, uh, we can do that upon request, right? If we, um, Obviously, we all need to do our outreach, but if we say, you know, whatever is reasonable three days before the 
meeting um, if we get a request for um, translation, interpretation, if we have the resources, we'll make it available, whatever is reasonable as opposed to let's have it and then we don't necessarily need, um, need it. So just as a, a suggestion. That's great. And I just want to go back to what um, Commissioner Buenrostro said. I think at a minimum, if we're able to put out a survey, and the survey is, you know, there's a lot of people that, like, Hmong people that are actually um, returning that, I think that indicates the need for that language. But you're right. I, again, we're not going to get everything exactly perfect, but the goal is that we build, continue to build success. And I do, ha I, I have to echo what you just said, Commissioner Guerrero. Really appreciate the work that the city has do been doing with us and providing all these services and making sure that we are kind of collectively trying to create a process that is going to serve the community well. So, with that, any other comments, Commissioner Vice, I, Vice Chair? No worries. I'm sorry that I'm being so long-winded and taking up so much space. Um, I want to also uh, something I noticed in here that was in a previous draft. Uh, that I believe we had also discussed with the city was ensuring that whoever shows up for uh, the, to represent the police department in these conversations are showing up in plain clothes. That uh, it should be just you know their polo, their their professional polo or whatnot, and it should be and they should be unarmed uh, in this conversations. But given that we are going to be in a community space, and even the presence and like and see, uh, of people seeing uh, armed members of law enforcement in the room can be triggering, especially for those of us that have experienced um, harm at the hands of the police. So um, I want to make sure that in this plan and you know in this like. Uh, that that direction is clear for both the city and the uh, and the Sacramento Police Department um, uh, when they, when we're attending these sessions. And I know that based on the conversations we've had with PD, they understand that, and I think that they had recognized that they're willing. Again, they're working with us, and they're they're wanting to collaborate because they too want to ensure that there's a different. They have a different outcome than last year. Okay, see no other comments. This actually this item has to be voted on and it also this begins the process for how we actually move it forward to PPNE. and do I have um, a I motion love to motion this do I have a motion I feel <laughs> Commissioner Guerrero second <laughs> second great Commissioner Carter Martinez um, with that clerk can you please call the roll Thank you, Chair. Commissioners, can you please unmute your microphones for the roll call vote? Commissioner Blaine Rostro? Aye. Commissioner Carter? Aye. Commissioner Carter Martinez? Aye. Commissioner Espinosa Salazar? Aye. Commissioner Guerrero? Aye. Commissioner Johnson? Aye. Commissioner Marion? Aye. Commissioner Sample is absent. Vice Chair Bliss? Yes. Chair Castillo-Grings? Yes. Thank you, the motion passes. And we begin the process. Um, with that, uh, we're moving on to discussion item number four, and this is the letter to the City Council for the Sacramento Police Department officer to attend Sacramento Community Police Review Commission meetings. There is a letter, and I am turning it over to Commissioner Guerrero for presentation. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, commissioners, if you recall, um, 
We have a number of recommendations uh, that we've sent to City Council. Um, among them was a package of recommendations to ensure that there was clarity of um, how of responsibilities uh, and how folks, how the different entities, in particular, in this case, uh, the Sacramento Police Department and the Commissioner, are to work together. It's not oh they sh you know um, Sac PD shows up um, as a courtesy. No, we are partners. They have to be in the room um, to answer questions, to have a back and forth conversation. At least that's the way I think uh, uh, I think is uh, best serves the community. And among that package of recommendations, uh, it included three key recommendations that are included in the letter to have Sac PD. Um, SAC PD to have a police liaison present at the monthly commission meetings to respond questions and information requests, uh, to have uh, SPD liaison to meet with the commission uh, chair, vice chair, um, and at that time OPSA staff, although I don't know that that's any relevant, um, to respond to requests and respond directly um, instead of having an intermediary. Um, and I think the 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 way it plays out now is as much as we love having um, uh, Mario here with us, um, I think it's really important to have SAC PD, who are the program experts and implement programs uh, here, um, have SPD chief or the representative to meet with um, uh, the commission at a minimum once a year prior to the submission of our recommendations um, uh, to provide feedback. So that was a package of recommendations to again kind of clarify the, the fact that it has to be a partnership. Both entities have to be in the room and there has to be an exchange. And I think that first one, um, at least from my perspective, there was direction for SAC PD to be here. Um, uh, someone from SAC PD specifically to respond um, to our questions and requests for information. And so this letter is a letter to the city council um, reiterating the, those um, recommendations. Um, one, which I just mentioned, which I thought was agreed to. Um, and uh, from my perspective, we don't have an SPD uh, representative uh, in the room. And so uh, that is what the letter is. We agendized it, and I'd love for this uh, commission to approve the letter to be sent to uh, the mayor, the city council, and the city of Sacramento, which is of course the city manager, um, inquiring as to um, uh, that particular policy in particular, but the others as well about that working relationship. I just want to clarify about the motion. My, um, the motion is to actually have the letter forward to PP&E for consideration of it going to the council, because I think that's under the new procedure that we have in chapter 2.40. Really? Do I have that? Is that is that correct? I'm looking at the city attorney. This is not a. I mean, this is not a policy. This is, this is a recommendation. Um, it's actually an inquiry. It's not been a recommend. It's an inquiry of about rec past recommendations. Um, one of at least one of which we think there was direction of. So it's asking for clarity. It's not a whole new set of things. Um, so I would think we could send it directly. Mm -hmm. That's but how I understand it. 
I believe that's the case. Um, I don't. I don't think it has to go to PP&E. While we get a response, I think it's just important that I reiterate, since I gave so much context, I guess the, this could be lost. This is to clarify, and it's, this is in the first paragraph, to clarify the required engagement of Sacramento Police Department with respect to the commission. It's not a new recommendation. This is to clarify what, the, what their role and responsibility is um, with respect to our meetings. Chair, the recommendation is, um, as it's stated, it is sending to to the PP&E committee. And no, I, I understand how it's stated, but my, I think originally we all thought that we could just approve the letter and have it sent to council, and I think that there is a lack of clarity as to the things that go to PP&E and the things that we can send directly to council. I understand that like recommendations and things like that. I think this is just asking clarity for an action that council has already taken. Even still, I think it's, I think it would be part of that interpretation of being a re report or a recommendation that goes to the council. And so that would be going through PP&E. But it's, it's a recommendation that council has taken an action on. I, I understand that. But this is a, is a follow-up to that, correct? This is neither, if I may, um, this is not, you, mentioned, you used two terms, um, report, and what was the other? Recommendation. A recommendation. This letter is neither. This is not a report, and this is not a recommendation. This is, did you give direction to SAC PD to be in the room and communicate with it? So it's not a recommendation. <laughs> I understand that. I think um, the way that the process works now, though, is that PP&E is supposed to be uh, receiving all of the communications to city council before it's forwarded up to them. I think it would be helpful for us to understand in terms of where that is cited in, in the city code, because I think that's that would help bring clarity. Sure, I can take a look at it. Not, that was not our understanding last time we discussed this. Yeah. Um, and, and really quickly, Commissioner Marion? That's what I was wondering. So just for, for clarification, when I, when I came on the commission years ago, there used to be representation here regularly. And so I guess I'm trying to understand what took place, why they're no longer here. If there was always somebody in representation here at our commission meeting. Uh, the city manager has tasked me to represent the, the police department yeah. at the commission meeting, and that is why I'm here, EG, for your meetings. And Commissioner Marion, there's a disagreement right now about 
when when council said, okay, there's already a P PD liaison, that's great. I think, at least I will also speak for myself. Sure. My understanding was that, okay, the liaison is a police officer Correct. that is working for the department. Correct. I think the interpretation from the city manager has been, it's a liaison that because of his purview, he can actually assign anybody. We disagree as a commission. And so the letter is to follow up with the council when they took that action as to what exactly did you mean? Because I think a lot of the, a lot of the, the council members that were part of that conversation said, oh great, it's already happening, police is already attending. So there's a bit of a confusion that we are trying to get clarity on. All right, so the city manager made a decision that you're, representat you're the representation of the police department now. Yes, Commissioner, that, that is correct. I have been tasked to represent the police department at these commission meetings. Thank you. Commissioner uh, Bliss. Yeah, that's everything that, like, you know, in terms of the history is, that has been stated is correct uh, is from my recollection as well. And just to uh, put it back, because I remember us talking about this, that this was going to be sent directly to our city council members, which unless there is a specific outline within the city council rules of procedures, uh, as well as precedent that other uh, commissions and boards are required to go through this process even just for a letter uh, asking for clarity from the full council I'm going to suggest that like you know if we have to uh, pass a motion or amend the motion so that it goes directly to city council I'm prepared to make that motion Commissioner Buenrostro so I'm, I'm pretty new to the commission, but this, I find this conversation a little frustrating because if we take a step back, um, with all due respect to, to Mr. Lara, um, who's here as a representative from the, from the city manager's office uh, as a liaison to the police department, we're simply asking for a representative liaison directly from the Sacramento Police Department to be at these meetings. And um, the... the the question that I have is, is why do we have this commission if we don't have direct engagement from the police department? And I'm just new to this, right? So I'm, I'm new to the commission, still learning as I go. But that to me, as I look at governance and how governance should work in any, any entity, any advisory board, that to me is a basic foundational issue that should be in place. So I just wanna make that statement to take a step back. Um, and I know this is a process to submit a letter, but this this really is something that should be in place um, like it was from the beginning of, of the meetings. Because um, if we're gonna have this commission, then it should have the direct connection, the direct engagement with the police department so that it, it, it actually is a community police review commission that takes feedback from the community and engages directly um, as much as possible. So I just want to make that point, and I'll support um, any amendments to the motion if, if it is made, um, and if it's something that we're allowed to do. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Carter Martinez. Oops. Again, similarly, similarly, also a new commissioner and extremely frustrated with my time on this commission. Um, 
we don't have a representative from the department we're supposed to be working together with to review and that's mind-boggling to me. We never have answers to any of our questions. The follow-up is never done. It seems like all we do is fight about process with the city and this commission. And that's really frustrating as a new commissioner who's here wanting to do some work of actually reviewing the police department. So I don't understand tonight why we can't send a letter of yes or no to the city council and why we would have to go through PP&E. It doesn't make sense. And I don't understand if these are policies and procedures that are put in place just for our commission or if they're put in place for all of the commissions because it really feels like we're being singled out. Thank you. Commissioner Guerrero. My fellow commissioners, I just wanna say um, welcome to the frustration, unfortunately. Um, one, just really quickly, there's a lot of good that actually has been done. If, if we really dig deeply, and it's why I'm still here, and I, um, I'm gonna be terming out probably soon, I think. So, for, but for those of you that are here, this is why I try to get agreements on paper and why some of these, um, why I push very hard for an internal ad hoc when I did that has a bunch of recommendations um, to be adopted, right? For the city to consider to adopt so that it's clear our relationship. And why is that important? Because it feels like we're on a roller coaster ride. Um, the reality is um, SACPD um, was here for a while, then they went away. Then we asked what the issue was, and they said, well, we're just there. We're just here as a, a courtesy. And I thought, wait a minute. This can't be a courtesy. <laughs> we're a body that was created by the city to work, on, uh, work with SACPD on issues that are important to the community. They have to be here. And, um, you know, Assistant City Manager uh, Mario, uh, you've been amazing and a really good partner. But, um, and so this is not uh, in any way directed you. There's, just like my colleague said, it is absolutely important to have a rep, that programmatic rep from SACPD that's gonna, that has the specific knowledge of the programs, ins and outs here to answer those questions. And so, and I thought we answered, I thought the city had given the direction that that person had to be here and if the response from the city, let me just, play chess and think ahead if the response from the city is, well, you know, there's some ambiguity and it's, or a liaison at, uh, from the city manager's choosing, I'm gonna say that that's really unfortunate. We know what we meant. You, all, uh, the city knows what we meant. We need to work with the programmatic staff. And so I just want to, um, you know, uh, to move us, for, I just wanted to give that context. But to move us along, um, you know, I, I'd like, and this is a little complex as I'm working it out of my mind, but my motion would be to move the letter through the appropriate process. That means if we can send it directly, and I would imagine that maybe we have to inquire um, further, but uh, if it's to the, through the committee, that we send it through the committee, if it's directly to the, to the um, uh, full, um, uh, city that we do that and maybe there can be some follow-up as to what the appropriate process is so thank you Commissioner Guerrero um, and before we take a vote on this I see Commissioner Wayne Johnson yes 
Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, you know, not to do a pile on, but uh, but two pile on. You know, on it. I, I agree with everything that I've heard here. I'm a new commissioner as well. You know, on it. Not new to the game, just new to new to this commission. You know, on it. This commission was convened because of a, a very serious and endemic issue that impacted both the administrative side, a la the police. Uh, and the city resources, as well as the community. I, I would make the analogy that without having a empowered representative from the police department, you're trying to negotiate a settlement of a marriage without the either either one of the of the parties being present. Doesn't work. Doesn't make sense. You know, on it. If if we're trying to bridge what has been a divide between police and their community perception of them, which is not always correct, you know, on it, but in order to be able to get clarity around very basic issues in terms of why a policy uh, was developed, how it operates, what has been its statistical basis, you know, uh, on it, you got to have somebody there present, and if they're present, it would head off a lot of the written requests that have to keep being filtered through this uh, laborious process, you know, in order to get it. So, you know, I would once again just encourage uh, the city management and, and the leadership of the police department that if indeed you're trying to embrace the community, and cross that divide, you need to be a participant in that process. The people on, the, on this panel, uh, this commission, were appointed to be representatives of the community interests out of their respective districts as well as citywide. You know, we're here. The other party to this marriage ought to be here. Mm -hmm. I, I would, lastly, I would just simply say I've done 40 plus years of community involvement facilitation and mediation. I've never been able to cross the issue without having to be able to talk directly with the parties involved. That's the only, that's really the only recipe for success. I'll shut up. <laughs> really appreciate the comments. Um, Commissioner Carter. I agree with everything that's been said. I've been sitting here since 2017 and there's always been a SAC PD representative, and prior to that, I was on the Community Racial Profiling Commission that was always a SAC PD representative um, present. The only change that I've observed is that we have a new chief of police. So up until the appointment of new chief of police, there was always a SAC PD representative in the room, not a liaison, but someone from the Sacramento Police Department, usually the deputy chief, was present. So, um, you know, it's, it's appalling and mind-boggling that we even have to write a letter to ask SAC PD to come be part of the commission process. No, they do not have a seat, but the whole commission is oversight of the Sacramento Police Department, so you would think that they'd want to be in the room while we have questions, and you would think that they would send someone knowledgeable to answer the questions. I've been here since 2017. And often than not, sometimes we ask questions and the person sitting in the chair will say, I'll get back to you, I'll get back to you. 
You know, I would think that somebody at a high up level deputy chief that you have the uh, confidence of your chief that you can answer some of these questions and you sh shouldn't have to run it up the flagpole to your chief or whoever else. But unfortunately, that's been some of the experience, not all. Sometimes they are able to answer the question, but more times, in my opinion, too frequently, the response is, I'll get back to you and um, I'll get back to you as if they can't make a decision. Uh, and I say that because when I was on the Community Racial Profiling Commission, it was a totally different experience. The deputy chief assigned, if I had any questions as a chair, as a member, they were very transparent, always got back with the answer. If they didn't know the answer, they would just say, I don't know. And if they had an answer, they would just give me the answer or you know, if they had to research something, then they would say, I'll get back to you. But I never felt like they were hiding the ball and I, they didn't want to give me the answer. I always got an answer. But being on this commission is a little bit different. So for the new people, that's my observation, the change that I observe. And if uh, the letter is successful and if the city council does or the deputy mayor, whoever's in charge of oversight on the uh, city council as far as the police department if they ultimately decide that someone must represent the, from the police department not a liaison but actual SAC PD deputy chief etc I'm just hopeful that whoever's in the chair comes knowledgeable and ready to answer the questions so Commissioner Bliss before we go to you what I have a motion to do is basically move the letter to city council. If that is not possible, then because there's already language in statute, statute to then move it through the normal process for PPNE. Commissioner Bliss, do you want to comment on that? Yes, um, and I, if you're the one making the motion, I will definitely second that motion uh, to send it directly to city council. Um, I just wanted to agree with every with what. All of my colleagues on this commission have said and just emphasized that one of the an observation that I made at an, a conversation earlier this year when we were talking about or we were talking about the process between us the city clerks and the uh, city manager's office was that the difference between us and other boards and commissions is that departments report to them for guidance and input They're directly to them and while we may be different in our function and uh, in our ability uh, based upon city code, the spirit is the same. Sacramento Police Department should be reporting directly to us for guidance and input um, in, if, in the formation and development of its policy and practices and procedures. And that's been the community's demand um, <laughs> like, and the city council's intention from as long, like, since long before I even joined this body, um, when the commission was changing its form. Um, to be what we have today. And to this date, even here today, we still don't have that. And I don't think it's an accident. I don't think there's any confusion really within it. I think there's just a simple uh, abject refusal uh, to actually seek our input because we are deemed, according to some um, in the department, uh, a rogue or just antagonistic body, which we're just asking questions. We've been asking like, for data and information from the department that is supposed to be transparent and accountable to the community that it serves. 
and a lot of the distrust and uh, dis, like, de decrease in satisfaction with the department and public safety as a whole, as we have noted and has been noted in the past uh, community surveys that we have had presented at, our, at this body since I joined, could actually be cleared up if the department was just willing to even sit in the room with us as was described before. And, they like, and as long as we are continuing to have to ask, practically beg, for their participation in just like in just these meetings and having these conversations with us, they're going like that transparency, that trust is not going to improve. It's actually it's only going to get worse. So, if there is a motion on the table uh, to send like to send this letter directly to City Council, uh, I will second that motion. I just want to clarify. I think the motion that came from Commissioner Guerrero. Look, let me step back. I think everybody's definitely frustrated. I think there's, there's two sources of frustration here. There's the issue about not having PD here, but the other issue I think for me that is coming up is give me a process, make the process clear, and we will do our best to follow it. But I think, I think as Commissioner Carter um, Martinez outlined, it feels that we are having a lot of fights over process because there's lack of clarity on what to do. I think it's give me, give me a layout that I can follow and I will do my best to follow that layout. But when every time, you know, things shift, especially in real time, there's frustration. I think that's what you're hearing from the commission right now. So I know that we're still figuring out the PPNE process. I think we are doing a lot of good work. Again, I just, you know, really appreciate the work that we are doing to kind of have a really robust community input process. I'm not going to throw that away. I'm going to try to be hopeful that we can figure this out. But you can see, you can hear the real frustration from us. So with that, I think the motion is absent any actual statutory changes that you can point to in, in whether it's city council rules or 2.40, that chapter that now governs us. The motion is to move this directly to council unless there's something that prohibits us from doing so. If that is the case, if there is something that is already laid out, we will follow that process. I think that's what the motion is on the table. I think uh, um, Commissioner Guerrero made the motion. I would have a second by Commissioner, no, Commissioner Bliss, yours was a little different. It was to uh, send it directly to city council. And I don't see, like, unless the city attorney's office can provide us any direction on that, I, I think we can just make the motion that it goes directly to city council without any provisions or stipulations. But um, so if that's a motion, I will make that motion. Okay, now I have two motions then. That's, that's why I wanna be clear. I have two motions on the table. I have one motion that's sent directly to city council. The other motion is to send directly to city council unless we are precluded by some type of statute that we can kind of point to. And that I think I have a second from Commissioner Carter Martinez. So city clerk, city attorney, what is the best way of proceeding here? So we have a, the initial motion was seconded, but the substitute motion uh, by Commissioner Bliss does not have a second. second. Is that my? Second. I have a second. Okay. I have two seconds for two motions. So you would take the, the vote on the substitute motion first. And just a, a point of clarification. If, this, if that substitute motion passes, but for whatever reason we are precluded from actually moving forward, what happens next? 
then you'd have to come back to make another motion. Well, it would, if the, if the first motion passes, then that would conclude the matter tonight. And if there's, if the action can't be executed because of procedural reasons or whatever, then we would have to take it up at a different date and make another motion. Okay. Just, I think the end goal here, commissioners, is for this letter to get to city council and for us to stop having this conversation over and over because now this, is, this conversation happened back in April. It is June. And so I just want to figure out the most expedient way of getting this directly to city council. And so I, I would ask that we, set, we go for the, the motion that was put forth by um, Commissioner Guerrero. That way the alternative, just to make sure that I clarify, if you end up coming back and saying you cannot send it because you know 2.41 of city code says you can't, at that point, do we need to have another meeting and have an actual official action before we can move forward? Yes, because the, the commission would not have um, given direction on what to do after that point. Just to make sure that I, I understand. What you're saying is if we give direction as to what happens next, then we, can, we don't need another action. I'm sorry. So you're saying if we give direction to send it to city council, if not to PNPE? Correct. Correct. Then that would not require an additional vote to be taken to do that. So, again, for expediency's sake, because I don't want to have this conversation again, I think we're all very frustrated about it. Um, I, I, the, the motion that I would like to put forth, if everyone's comfortable with, is one, send it directly to city council. If there is statute and city code that precludes us from doing so, then we go through PPNE, but only then. Madam Chair, I had my hand up for a while. Oh, sorry, Commissioner Guerrero. Um, yeah, that, I agree with you, but we have a second motion that takes priority, and I would just echo what the Chair said, and I would ask my colleagues to, um, you know, two things. One, if you can, you know, I don't know if it's possible, take back that motion, and I'll tell you why. Um, I, I, I did see that as a possible issue, which is why I phrased the motion as I did, but secondarily, I'm just going to ask you all, and I hate to do this end run, but um, honestly, I'm just, I'm just going to be a moment of frustration, honesty. Just send the letter to your council member and ask them and, and almost kind of demand that this does not work if, if SAC PD is not here. So that is not part of the motion. <laughs> it is a public document. Once we pass it, if you are so moved, please send it to your city council member and say what the heck is going on. Yep. Um, yeah. Thank so you. With that, oh, okay. Commissioner Mario, um, Marianne, sorry. So why can't we do all three? Can't we do have a backup, which is to go through the PPME process? And if that doesn't work, we should be sending it to our council members anyway. So regardless of the motion, we should be sending it to them. So to me, that, that covers the whole base, and we wouldn't have to come back and have this conversation again because it would have been already covered if the first one didn't work. And then on the back end, we should be sending it to our council members. So, so basically two separate motions then, right? Or is it just one? 
It could be one motion. Um, okay. However, what, what, what the commissioners do with the, with the letter individually. No, no, I understand. Okay, so why don't we do this? Let's go ahead and vote for, um, let's go ahead and have a vote for uh, Commissioner Bliss's oh, uh, substitute, which I'm is just send to, send to council. And then I think I'm just gonna make a motion that if that doesn't work, then send it to pp &E. That way you have direction. But either way, I think I think everybody kind of has heard. Yeah, I I agree with uh, Commissioner Marion and, uh, and what everybody else has said. I did not mean to make this like a, a longer laborious process or confusing in any way. If we can amend the motion so that it just has all three of those things together within the same one, then I will withdraw my motion so that we can amend that, uh, the first motion to do that, if that's possible. Can we do that? You can do that, but what I was saying was that what the individual commissioners do with the letter once it is adopted by the commission, uh, yes. there is no motion that's required to do that. Right. Right. Yeah, right. Agreed. So I will withdraw my motion. We can amend it as is, and it will go to the city council one way or the other, period. Great. Okay. So with that, the substitute motion has been withdrawn. The motion now is, and I think I already have a second, send it to city council unless we're precluded by statute. And either way, individual commissioners have the letter. Okay. Clear as mud? Perfect. So with that, um, Madam Clerk, could you please call the roll? Thank you, Chair. Uh, commissioners, can you please unmute for the roll call vote? Commissioner Boyne Rostro? Aye. Commissioner Carter? Aye. Commissioner Carter Martinez? Aye. Commissioner Espinoza Salazar? Aye. Commissioner Guerrero? Aye. Commissioner Johnson? Aye. Commissioner Marion? Yes. Commissioner Sample is absent. Vice Chair Bliss? Yes. Chair Castillo Krings? Aye. Thank you. The motion passes. Great. Um, thank you, everybody, for your patience. Um, so, okay, moving on. I just, I just want to, oh, Commissioner Carter has her hand up. Yes. I, I would like you to uh, take item number six out of order. We have attorney Keith Staten here in the audience. I'd like him to do his presentation. Then you can do item number five. I was, you and I are on the same wavelength right now. I was gonna actually ask, we have um, our presenter here and he has been patiently waiting. So we're gonna move things out of order. We're gonna go to discussion item six first and then we are gonna proceed to item five. And just to give everybody a little bit of context, um, we were hoping to have this presentation in May as you all know, as part of the work plan, we're starting to kind of tee up the things that we want to do later in the year. The first thing that needs to happen is tr we need to finalize MEU before we ask PD for additional presentations. However, that does not stop us from having our own presentations from other community leaders, other experts, and that is one of the reasons we've asked um, Dr. Staten to come and give us a presentation. One of the items on our work plan is Right now, the, the PD does not have an independent search and seizure policy that governs kind of 
how they do that. It's in the, each individual policy, and that is something that we want to look at more closely. But in order for us to do that, we actually need to kind of make sure that we have a foundation of knowledge, that we understand what it is that we're asking for, that we have a little bit more context. So with that, we've asked, um, thank you so much, Commissioner Carter. She helped secure this expert, and I would love to have him come up and give his presentation. Madam Clerk. Um, one second, I'm going to try and get our tech support out here so they can help you set up the PowerPoint. Oh, it might work with this thing. Wait, I don't even have my clickers. I it's easier for that. The clicker would be right there, right? Yes, I just got a loader in the back. Okay, let me, let me get rid of it real quick. You got it. Okay, here we go. Get the volume back. Any help with that? Yes. I so can I have a slide with a couple of videos. Okay. I want to thank you guys for allowing me to do this. Um, I'm going to tell you up front, you're going to like it. <laughs> okay, you're going to love this. Okay, right, what I'm going to try to do is to educate you on constitutional law. The Fourth and Fifth Amendment is what we'll focus on because those are the two that we always battle over. And that would be free from searches and seizures and free to keep yourself quiet or what I call shut the hell up. So what I'm going to do, though, is I'm going to, while he's doing that, I'm going to give you a little history of why you're here. You already know why you're here, but I'll tell you why we're here. And then I'm going to go off into the law. What cases, I'll cite cases, I'll give you some cases to look at, some things that you can tell people about. I'm going to go really deep into why 
Do police officers detain people? What rights they have against that detention? What does the Constitution say about it? I'm going to talk a lot about um, searches and seizure. And when can you search certain items, people, homes, all of that? Um, I'm going to move quickly, but you know, you'll have the PowerPoint and everything later, too, um, just so for time purposes, OK? And um, then I want to talk, well, what do, a remedy or something. You know, what, what do we do? Because I teach citizens what to do. I teach your right so that you may exercise them in any situation. It applies to black, white, every size of a person, every, every person it applies to. Now, non-citizens too. So if you're walking the streets of America, everything I'm going to say applies to you, not just Sacramento, all over the land. So I think you'll be enlightened as to what the Supreme Court talks about and what the law really is and how we are applying it, or should I say, how law enforcement applies it. Um, while he's doing that, I'll tell you, I've been doing criminal defense here in Sacramento for over 30 years. I've done high-profile cases. I've done a little bit of everything. I don't know, I've probably got 30, 40 murder cases under my belt. I think I'm pretty successful, and I'm definitely an expert at this stuff that I'm about to talk to you about now. Because I do motions all the time to kick out a case because an officer acted illegally. And when I say illegally, what we're talking about is violating your constitutional rights. Now, you know, you can violate somebody's rights and you can get paid. That's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about the violation of your rights as it comes to criminal prosecution. So, if you're ready, ready to do this? All right, here we go. I call this Know Your Rights because it's very simple. But really, it's a historical and factual discussion about what your constitutional rights are and the criminal justice system. Or it's how to act, react, exercise your rights, which can save your life during any police encounter. Okay? Because that's an issue. Now, if this clicker works right. Yep. Come on. Yes. I take my lead from Nelson Mandula. He says that education is the most powerful weapon that we can use to change the world, and it will change your world. So here we go, right into the juice. Questions I want you to ponder, things to think about. Where, where do our rights come from? Who do the rights belong to, and how are they used? Why is it important to know your rights? When, how do you exercise your rights? And more importantly, what is the impact? And what will happen if we do not exercise and protect our rights under the US Constitution? Here we go with a little history. Police were used before and after the Civil War to track down runaways, slaves, and even free men, and return them to the South and to slavery. Police during Reconstruction after the Civil War were major players in the massive increase in arrest and incarceration of blacks for minor crimes that landed them back into slavery and penal institutions. I will query you this. The 13th Amendment says no more slavery, except if you're duly convicted of a crime. 
Well, there's your authority to bring people back into slavery. It's funny how they knew that back then. Here we go. Police stood by and they helped destroy entire black neighborhoods and towns. They assisted in maintaining white supremacy by the practice of lynching, terrifying and eliminating justice for blacks. Because that's what lynching means, eliminating justice when you allow others to come in and take over. They also, during the quest for civil rights and equality, which why would people who were free and could vote have to fight for civil rights 100 years later? But even during those things, they disrupted rallies, stopped buses, the marches. They attacked people, jailed them. They reigned over neighborhoods. And in the 80s, they were used to enforce the policies such as war on drugs, which played a huge role in destroying black communities, incarcerated at a furious rate that we're trying to reverse now, destroyed black families and black communities. And the beautiful part is, guess what? It was all done under the laws in place by, under the state and federal laws that we have. It was all legal. So then, Historically, the relationship between blacks and law enforcement has just not been positive. That's easy to guess. Black neighborhoods and communities have stopped, have been the target of enforcement using profiling tactics, resulting in stops, searches at a high rate. You all know that. And then, as a result, blacks were subject to extreme incarceration. Maybe 40, 50% of black men and boys are on probation or parole. And there's a trend now to criminalize blacks for walking down the street, jogging down the street, barbecuing, sitting in their own living room, waiting for friends at a coffee shop, bird watching, sitting in a car seeking help if your car breaks down. But you see, these are private individuals doing that. You're only protected from governmental actions, not ones by private citizens. Why must we care? Well. Because police officers are officers of the law. We are in a nation of laws. Everything we do is because a law exists. You sat here tonight and talked about that. All enforcement of the laws must be authorized by the US Constitution and its amendments. That's where it flows. Our civil, criminal justice systems are created to address these wrongdoings. The government. Law enforcement must operate pursuant to the law. Oh, did I do that? No, all right. The amendments are the law of the land. The makers of the Constitution almost forgot about protection of our personal liberties. When I say they almost forgot, they created this nice Constitution, but the Bill of Rights, where the amendments were, came later. And the reason, because they didn't want the king to do what the king was doing to them when they were British citizens. They thought about it. So you see, they put a great weight on personal liberty. The amendments state and ensure our personal liberties exist despite the existence of government. And police operate at the will of the people and must operate to protect all individual freedoms. So. The mystery of law enforcement, okay? We can't have any bad apples. Now, I'm 
Chris Rock, I'll give him credit for the joke that you can't have bad apples when it comes to police officers because you can't have pilots who can't pilot a plane. You would never accept that. So why do you accept people who do wrong in the job? You just can't do it. Even one is one too many because who wants to ride on that plane? So I say there are three types of cops. Number one, there's that criminal cop, man. He doesn't care. He just pretends to uphold the law, but he'll go out and do whatever he wants. Then there's that one who sees the criminal cop doing things, and he doesn't do anything. And we saw through prosecutions, he can be prosecuted too. And then there's the one who reports him, the good guy. And he gets fired, though, for crossing that thin blue line. So you got to ask yourself, is there a good cop? Well, are only good cops ones who are no longer cops? Think about that. So I want change. You want change. We want change. When do you want it? Now. But law enforcement will not change. You see, we're, we're asking an organization that is so powerful, they will not change. So I have to adopt a different principle because I'll be frustrated if I don't. Maya Angelou provides this knowledge. If you don't like something, change it. And if you can't change it, change your attitude. So that's what we have to do. So my attitude changed because I said, you know what, I'm not going to stop them from doing anything, but I can teach everybody what to do when they face law enforcement. So here we go. Your rights under the Constitution. This is the juice. First Amendment, you know you've got it. I'm doing it right now. You do it every day. You got the right to protest, assemble, speak, exercise your religion. But you got to watch out. You got to watch out who you criticize, right? Got to watch out for them. And just because you can speak doesn't mean you should. First Amendment, easy. Fourth Amendment, much more difficult because it protects us from the search and seizure from government. Seizure would be stopping me physically. Search would be searching what I have and where I'm at. It reads this way. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, effects against unreasonable searches and seizures. Unreasonable is a clearly a word I'm going to be saying a lot of. No warrant shall issue without probable cause, supported by an oath, affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched, persons, and things to be searched. We're talking about a search warrant there. What is unreasonable? Well... Seizing you or searching you on the basis of race. It's unreasonable. What's probable cause? Well, it's the belief that a person has committed a crime. It is more than a suspicion, a hunch, a guess. More than what justifies a detention. It has to be supported by a preponderance of the evidence. Feather on a scale. So it doesn't have to be a lot, but it's got to be something raising it from a detention to probable cause to search. And watch, this is becoming real clear. So the detention of a person, right? Law enforcement may, with consent, stop, seize, and talk to a citizen. Big word, consent. As long as you consent, they can talk to you. 
To legally detain you, though, police must have a reasonable suspicion a citizen was involved in or will be involved in criminal activity. Not cooking donuts, not doing anything else, criminal activity. And all suspicions must be reasonable and formed prior to the detention. That's what they say when they articulate why you detain someone. If a person is legally detained, then they may conduct a pat-down search of the citizen, but only when facts can be articulated, actually stated, showing why it's reasonable to believe the person has a weapon or is a danger to an officer. So I've got to have a reason to believe you're dangerous or you've got a weapon, and I have to articulate that. Any objects felt in that search outside of the clothing must take the form of a weapon. And the justification to believe the object is a weapon must be articulated. So not a baggie, not your keys, anything like that. If you are legally detained, law enforcement may ask you to identify yourself because a detention is not an arrest. If you're detained, all you have to do is give your name. And after a lawful detention, then there must be probable cause to arrest. There must be a reason to believe now the citizen has committed a crime. Between the start of the detention and the arrest, there should be evidence existing to justify the belief. So I can detain you and not have evidence, but to go further and arrest you, I need something statements, you see pictures, something to believe that you now have committed a crime. A search incident to or after a lawful arrest is allowed. So if I arrest you lawfully, I can search you. Florida v. Royer, 1983. I always tell my students, you can Google that. And here's what the Supreme Court had to say. In 1983, they said, hey, a cop can, without violating the Fourth Amendment, approach a person and ask him questions. Great, consent. But the court also said the person approached, however, need not answer any question put to him. Indeed, the person may decline to listen to the questions at all and may go their way. So the Supreme Court is telling you, you don't have to listen. You can go your own way. And they went on. They said that you may not be detained even momentarily without reasonable, objective grounds for doing so, and that your refusal to listen and answer does not, without more, furnish those grounds. So just because a cop comes up to you doesn't mean you have to say anything or do anything. You can, in fact, ignore them and walk away. And you're going to see why that's important. So if I can... And I think um, what I have to have um, tech to do is I want to show you just an example of how this works, a detention. Um, but I need, wait, 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 the clicker on the, yeah, yeah. No, what? Ah, all right, did something wrong there. All right, go back, <laughs> if I could. If, oh, and then um, let me do this. And I think if, if you can click, if he's hearing me, um, if you click on the picture, it'll, it'll give you the little arrow where the video will start. 
They're very, I got two short videos to show you that shows you an example of how this all really works. Now, if you say, yeah, there it is. Bingo. Carrying an ID is required when you're driving, but there's otherwise no law requiring you to carry an ID. But in some states, police can require you to give your name if they have reasonable suspicion to believe you're involved in criminal activity. How do you know if police have reasonable suspicion? Remember. Police need reasonable suspicion to detain you. So one way to tell if they have reasonable suspicion is to ask if you're free to go. Hey, hold up, man. Let me see your ID. Excuse me, officer. Are you detaining me or am I free to go? I just want to talk to you, man. What's your name? Are you detaining me or am I free to go? I'm not detaining you, man, but I promise I'm clean. I sure Don't got time man. to chat. Got to go. It's that simple. Now, I'm going to move on to the next one, which you might recognize from a movie called Horrible Bosses. Oh, and the same thing with the click. You're implying that we're not allowed to leave, which would only be the case if we were under arrest. Are we under arrest? No. We just brought you in for questioning. Well, then, ipso facto, you don't have sufficient evidence constituting probable cause for an arrest warrant. Not yet. Well, uh, then, pursuant to the Fourth Amendment, I believe we are free to go. Are we not? Yeah, technically, yeah. Technically is good enough for me. Gentlemen, we are free men. Let's go. We gotta get back to your car? Yeah, sure. Just so, keep moving. Get a cab or something? Get a train? What do you want to do? So that is actually a correct statement of the law in the movie Horrible Bosses. And notice this, they're already at the station. See, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get that far usually. So I do that because we got to move now to the searches of homes, persons, and property. So you see, to detain, you've got to have a reasonable suspicion. But to now search, you need more, that probable cause. So when it comes to a house, get a warrant. They should never search a home without a warrant. Now, there are going to be, oh, by the way, cell phone, blood for DNA, you need a warrant. Your cell phone, the court has said, is a, it's like your home. You have more stuff on your cell phone than you do at your home that's more valuable to you. So you must have a warrant separately to search a cell phone. So you never give away the code or anything. Now, a judge must sign off on an affidavit if they have probable cause to search a home. So they gotta go get that search warrant. They've gotta swear that there's an existence of facts that show that probable cause exists. This is what I mean by more evidence. A lot of times they wanna look at the house, they'll surveil the house. Who's going in and out? They'll do, they gotta do some work to get into your house. And you never, never agree to a search of your home. Now, if there is no warrant, 
They can't search the home, cell phone, blood, DNA without describing what we call exigent circumstances. Exigent circumstances means there's an emergency situation involving an imminent danger to someone, harm to someone, and the possible disappearance of evidence. And it presently exists. So they go to the home, they want to go in, somebody's in there screaming, somebody's in there having a problem, somebody's doing something that there's an emergency that they must go in to save someone. Then they can. To search a person, automobile, personal items and bags, probable cause must exist. So just because they may be able to search you does not mean they have probable cause to search your bags or your car. They must have something else. And that must be reasonable. A search may occur when incident to a lawful arrest once again. Now, the last thing there, the effect of probation and parole. It's a waiver of your Fourth Amendment rights. So if you are on probation and parole, you waive your rights to refuse a search. But what's important is you don't waive your right under the Fifth Amendment. You don't have to talk. The Fifth Amendment, the right to remain silent, not incriminate yourself. You see, you have a right to request an attorney, but you must be clear when asserting this right. Adults versus children. You think there's any difference? No. No, no difference with a child. We just now passed a law that when you're 15, that they have to call the public defender's office and have them talk to the kid before they can even interview your kid. But do you as a parent or somebody concerned have to be around? Nope. You teach the children the same thing adults would do. I want my lawyer. And that's going to become real clear here really soon. People versus Flores is the California Supreme Court case, May of 2020. In this case, the suspect was taken to police station. He was asked, do you want to talk to cops? He said, no. And the officer said, well, what do you mean by no? And they kept on asking him, what do you mean by no? Because no doesn't mean no. I'm a cop. I don't think, I don't think you're telling me what I want to hear. And so eventually he agreed to talk to them. And he confessed to things. The court said, the question was, did he invoke his right to remain silent by just saying no? And they said that no, because an officer, no could mean, hey, you want to talk to me some more times? I know that's weird, because the title of this and what we call this is the no doesn't mean no case. Because... A reasonable officer may not interpret that response as a person wanting to remain silent and wanting a lawyer. Maybe to remain silent, but did you want a lawyer? This is what I mean by invoking your rights. You don't wait for them to read anything to you. Flores went on to give some reasoning behind all of this. And they said, Invoking your rights is different than waiving your rights. The key is, was it a voluntary statement, the product of coercion, or involuntary statement, was it a product of coercion and overbearing by the cop? Well, he was just saying no, and they were just saying, you want to talk to me? No. They said the critical question is whether the defendant acted knowingly and voluntarily so that 
you have to evaluate the defendant's state of mind. And note this, to invoke or exercise your right, you must be unambiguous from the perspective of a reasonable officer. Well, what, what is a reasonable officer? Well, if a reasonable officer thinks you might be invoking your right, well, then I don't have to uh, cease all the questioning because I think you might be doing it, but I don't know. And then whether or not a reasonable officer would perceive a suspect's statement as ambiguous may depend on the, con on the context. So the officer is given a lot of leeway. And it really means that when you're under interrogation and you make a statement that could be construed as invoking your rights, the interrogators may clarify your willingness to waive that right and remain silent. They can keep on asking till you say magic words. And they are magic words. And the magic words are, I want a lawyer. Once they say, I want a lawyer, then they have to wrap it up and get out. They cannot talk to you any further. If you ever watch 48 Hours, if you ever watch any shows, once the person say, I want a lawyer, they got to leave. You know what? Better call Saul. Doesn't matter. When you say, I want a lawyer, they have to leave. They are magical words. Don't say, Mommy, do you think I want a lawyer? Do you think I need a lawyer? I want a lawyer. Period. It's unambiguous, isn't it? You know what I mean. So I'm going to move to the Sixth Amendment. I have a right to have an attorney present when uh, charges are going to be attached. So at court, you will always have an attorney. Private or public defender is the issue. You can hire one or you'll have one appointed. You have a right to a speedy trial. Don't always have to use it, but you got that right. Right to a jury trial, right to confront witnesses, right to a jury of your peers. Jury of your peers is where we fight a lot of. Fight a lot about that. Hard to get that. So we're down to the exercise. I call it the exercise because, ladies and gentlemen, this is what you should do whenever you are encountering a police officer. This is it. But first, we got to respect the power of consent. Remember, anything other than what I'm about to tell you, you're having a consensual conversation. And the officers can keep on asking you questions and do whatever they want. So the first thing is this, five words, am I free to leave? Just like that guy said. That's how you determine, am I being detained? And, you, and here's the thing, like the officers you saw there, you know, they, well, we just want to talk to you. We, we want to know what you're doing and stuff. We're friendly, friendly. Am I free to leave? That's it, until they answer that question. When they do and say, you're not free to leave, you are detained. Am I in cuffs? No. Have they surrounded me? No but I am detained under the Fourth Amendment. Then this works when they pull you over in your car, a traffic stop. It works in public. It works at your home, business. If the answer is no, you're not free to leave, you only got four other words to say. I want an attorney. That's it. And it's over. Everything is over at that point. They will do what they've got to do. Do no other word, use no other word than I want an attorney, a lawyer. They do what I call huddling up. 
you see, at that point. Because they got nothing. And so now they have to go back and decide, did I have reasonable suspicion? Did I? Can we have probable cause? Because you, he gave me nothing. There is nothing there. And you may think, well, Keith, they can make it up. And I can, got the, I can get the body cam, too. And I can listen to them making it up. And I can see the scene, how the person wasn't pulled over for weaving, because I'll get your in-bars camera. You see, so they, they must articulate something. And your right lies unused unless you exercise it. And that's what I'm talking about. If you don't exercise your rights, you lose them. So here's what you do not do. I thought I'd throw this one in there. Don't consent to talking or any search. Don't ever ask, why are you stopping me? It's a foolish question, actually. Don't argue over anything or something they say. Don't run or resist at any time. Question them about knowledge of the law? Don't do it. They're not lawyers. Don't say, I do not answer questions. You see that on the internet? I do not answer questions. Okay, that's that no mean no question case, you see? I can ask you that all night. I come back the next day and ask you, are you asking him now? Do not say anything else but, am I free to go? I want an attorney. Because your right lies unused until you exercise it. So, Malcolm uh, tells us that the future belongs to those who prepare for it today. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There is a racial justice act that has been passed in California, Penal Code 745. What it allows you to do, or us to do, lawyers, is if we can prove that implicit bias, explicit bias, or race was used in any stop, arrest, prosecution, sentencing, then we can bring it up to a judge, and if we show prima facie case that it was done, the case can be dismissed. I want to talk to you just a little bit about flight. Because people say, well, cop comes up and they run, you run. Is that, is that a reason to detain? No. United States versus Brown in the Fed District, which is ours, the Ninth Circuit in 2019. A suspect's behavior running is not reasonable suspicion to detain. Just because they see a cop and run. See, now we're getting into now the studies that are being done about what trauma may be affecting people and making them do instinctively. And we can't turn that into reasonable suspicion to detain. We also, and you know, pretext stops, right? You know, and, and, and I think they're more defined as stops that are done for smaller violations that turn into bigger things. Uh, we call it driving while black. See, I really pulled you over because of your skin color, but I'm not going to say that. You know, and even then, the courts will protect you from such things. So that is not an excuse. Pretextual stops anymore. I'll give you a quick, uh, quick example. United States versus Hernandez, 2019 case. Hernandez driving a rental car. He was Hispanic. The officer says he didn't know that, but he deemed this action suspicious. He followed him. And he said, hey, he's got his hands on the steering wheel. We're at 10 and 4. That's odd. And he seems very stiff. You know, he seems like, you know, he's just holding on. 
and his body, you know, was behind the door frame. So he had his head leaned back. And the officer pulled him over for that reason. And the trooper described his acting standoffish and giving quick questions as suspicious. And the court said, no, you can't use that as a reason because you don't know the individual. And now we're starting to dive into taking advantage of individuals and their soft spots. You know, it even, um, you see a lot of that. And that's why I preach this. Am I free to go? I want a lawyer. Because whatever situation it is, that will solve the problem. It at least makes them find cause to do so. And lawyers like myself can put in motions to suppress and win cases. Now, I'm not here to say crime is good, obviously. But you see, the protection of your, your rights are more important than anything. That is what is important. Now, I'll leave you with this. Look, how do we remedy this, Keith? How do you stop them from doing that? You don't. Like I said, you can't tell them, hey, cut that out. But I'll tell you this. If every officer who violated someone's rights whether by a stop, an arrest, or anything like that. If you violate someone's rights, they probably should not be an officer anymore, ever. Now, what does that mean? I just fire them, and they can't work as an officer. Now, I'm not paying uh, $50 million. I'm not paying $27 million. I just get rid of those apples. You see that? Now, pretty soon, what happens? Every time that happens, if you're going to lose your job and you can never work as an officer, that affects us countrywide. If you knew, you could never do it. Why? How can we do that? Okay, let's say you're old and you've lost your skills to drive. You know what DMV is going to do? They're going to tell you you can't drive anymore. Ever. Right. So it's not uncommon. You see, we, we do that all the time, don't we? We put restrictions on individuals, and here we are talking about law enforcement, whose job it is is to protect us. They should never hold office as a law enforcement officer ever. Now, there are a lot of officers who do things like that, who, and I mean just violate your rights. Like recently in the news, um, the officer who wrote a false report, and then gave her a great deal over here in the court, Okay. But she violated the guy's rights. He was arrested, held in jail for a couple of months. You think they gave him cookies and cream when he got out? No. Did, you think maybe he lost his job and all that kind of stuff? You think maybe even though she may not work for SAC, she'll go to some other place? Maybe. So you see, if you take the rug from underneath the officer when they violate someone's rights... That would be an incentive to never violate anyone's rights. So if you want to change conduct, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. I'm just throwing that out there. You're the counsel and the commission. Just an idea of if you were given advice, because you're not going to train it out of people. You know, you're not going to, don't do that. Don't violate their rights. You're not going to do it. And you know what they do. They go to neighborhoods where they'll... they'll <laughs> If you want to fish, 
Why aren't on dry land? They want fish. So they will go to the oceans. They will go to the neighborhoods, the high crime areas that they'll claim, which is not a reason to detain someone for being in a high crime area. Once again, the courts have said that. But they will go there and they will fish. And they will catch fish, unless fish know their rights. I want to thank you again for giving me this opportunity and hope I've been enlightening. I hope I have given you a lot of food for thought because I always challenge people, prove me wrong. <laughs> prove me wrong. Find in the law that I'm not stating what is true. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Um, as an aside, if you want me to come to your church, your school, if you want me to come anywhere you can gather bodies who will listen, I do these things. I have cards that say just that, that are laminated, can't be broken, that you can put in your car and carry around with you. You get all nervous, just read the dang card. I'm very serious about this campaign. I would like to go national with this because it will clean up a lot of things. Thank you so much for presenting. Um, this, is, this is a presentation, but before we want to just open it up for the public, are there any questions from the public here in the room or online? Thank you. Just walk up, right? <laughs> okay. yeah. Point of order, Chair. Um, yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm just wondering if you have any, um, like, know your rights pamphlets for specifically unhoused folks. Um, laminate it, folds in half. So you need to put it in a pocket, a wallet, anything, it works. Yeah. Laminate it so it doesn't, can't tear it up. You read right from it. Yeah. And um, so like lately the, the city police and the county police have been sweeping a lot of homeless, homeless encampments. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you have any like printouts that are like specifically tailored towards homeless encampments because the people often want to know their rights and ask me um, for those sorts of things and I'd yeah. love to be able to hand them out. Like I know like the 14th Amendment is a big one. For, for Due process. Um, that, we have a problem with that. Now, a lot of it depends on where are you camping and can they ask you to be rem to removed. Okay. You know, they used to do this all the time, these sweeps, and then they'd arrest everybody, right? And then down, we get down here and they can't prosecute all these cases and stuff. Um, it's, I know what they're doing, though, is they're picking little areas, bit at a time, mm -hmm. to go in and just sweep up, and then people will come right back, but for that time period, you lose everything. Mm -hmm. So it depends if where you're at is a place where you can legally camp. Okay? So you would look under, where can I legally camp? Which is why you see right outside the door sometimes, which my office is block up, but you see around certain areas, you know, people can be there. Usually it's like on public grounds and things like that. Mm -hmm. 
But that's what has to happen first. So the advocates have to figure out where can you legally hang out until the city hall and government find out what to do with our homeless problem. Um, are you based in Sacramento? I am up the street. And um, would would you be willing? To I apologize. I'm I, yeah. I'm I apologize. At this point in time, the questions have to be directed to the commission, or the questions have to be directed from the commissioners. But yes, I think I think you probably want to have a, an additional conversation. Mm -hmm. So please don't go anywhere. I think you have more questions for. Um, any other questions for the commission? Anybody on online? Uh, thank you, clerk. I have no speaker slips in chambers and no members of the public online with their hands raised. Great. Um, and with that, moving it back to the commissioners. Commissioner Marion. Uh, Keith, great presentation. Always good to see you. I would love one of those cards and uh, to invite you out to a community event if possible. I do them for free. You could, so, you know, I'll give you some, you know, what do they? Why don't you just give one to all of yeah. them? Yeah, I would love all, all of them. All right. Yes. By all means. Right. Uh, you want me to go inside here? Or? Oh. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Either way. Quite all right. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if you need more, let me know. I do them, bring them up myself. Fantastic. And then um, mm -hmm. any anything else, Commissioner Marion? Thank you. Commissioner Bliss. Truly, thank you for this highly informative presentation. I think this is, you know, coming from a community organizing background, like this is really essential information for everybody to have. So um, I really appreciate it being entered into the public record uh, and all of your very detailed um, review of case law. I actually did have a particular question when it comes to case law for you. Um, uh, not sure if this is as widely well known for everybody, but um, a little known case, I believe it was in 1967, Terry versus Ohio, yes. um, that uh, essentially opened the door, from my understanding, to uh, racial profiling. We'd love to get your thoughts and takes on that. Terry v. Ohio is still standing, and it, it still requires reasonable suspicion. Mm. That's where that was born. Yeah. So, yeah, they can stop you, you know, and frisk you but they have to have reasonable suspicion to stop you, and then they have to have the cause to pat you down. They tried to eliminate that in, um, when you, um, in New York, you know, legislatures are, are trying to get rid of those requirements, but when I talk about the first thing, which is that reasonable suspicion, they have to have that to stop you. Remember the video. You see how the guy, you just keep on, am I, am I free to leave? because you have to determine that question. It defines what our relationship is. Is it consensual or is it a detention? And they don't have to grab you for a detention. You see, you don't have to be in cuffs. And that's why, and people get confused all the time because they don't know what probable cause is. They don't know how it gets there. So it's a two-step process. And that's why five words, am I free to go? And they'll try to, you know, well, I'm not asking, I'm not that. Am I free to go? You can ask a couple of times and then just walk away. And then they'll tell you, no, you're not, or yes, you are. Hmm. So yeah, Terry v. Ohio is a big lead case. Yep. Uh, other, uh, one other case law question, which was um, you, uh, Ren versus U.S. Uh, in 1996, if there are any limitations under, like, you know, what we, like, in terms of our rights when it comes to that. Now, I think um, Ren was, um, 
in the um, car, right? Mm -hmm. Now, in, in a vehicle stop, understand that smell of marijuana, whether it's fresh or burnt, is not a reason to search, okay? New case law comes out like that. The cops can only search when there is probable cause after I stop you. I stop you for a traffic ticket, and I go up, and I just want to search you. I can't do it. I got to see a gun. I better see something going on that, that gives me the reason to now search you because I have cause now to search. And you really can only search in the areas you can reach. So if you have people in the car, it gets a little confused and convoluted because somebody might be on probation, but they can only search in the area that person can reach. Hmm. No locked areas. Then we get the Gantt and stuff. The case which allows you to go in locked areas, but you better have some cause to go into the trunk. Hmm. In fact, you know you can carry it. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> really appreciate all, like, all of that clarification and just uh, this really helpful information. I, I think it's in particularly pertinent here in Sacramento, given you know what we as a commission have found uh, from the uh, most recent data, which there are now three separate studies over the last 20 years that have showcased that uh, our police department stops uh, and, uh, and scrutinizes black motorists and black residents here in Sacramento City uh, more than any other demographic. Um, in particular, with the 2021 um, Center for Policing Equity report, uh, nearly 40% of all traffic stops by SAC PD in 2019 uh, were, uh, were comprised of black people, black, uh, black motorists. And they were subject to searches of their person and vehicles almost three times more often than white people in any other race, despite being consistently less likely to possess weapons, drugs, or stolen goods. Um, which is why I think it's like, this is really going to be helpful if, uh, in our work going into the later half of this year, where we're going to really be examining uh, not just department accountability, but also organizational culture. Because these are as uncomfortable as people may be, especially within the police department for, uh, of this data, we're simply trying, like, we're simply trying to get to the bottom of it. If we are a, a city that is driven by data, driven like by data, uh, to inform its policy, then it's important that we look at this, regardless of how uncomfortable um, or unpleasant it may feel, to examine it and really get to the bottom of that, so that we can make um, as informed uh, recommendations on how to change policy procedures uh, that inform the culture uh, and, and enforce the culture to this day. I do this because uh, if you think back, and I want you all to do this exercise. Go back to any encounter that you've seen where an unarmed man is killed. You do this first, the waters are calm. Now they have to go above and beyond to, to do some more. But if anyone would have said, am I free to go? No. Then I want my lawyer. Then you just you help them get you in the car. And then your lawyer comes in if they did an illegal search or seizure. It's the way you do it. And it's, here's my thing. You battle the law with the law, right? Why would you beat up? Why would you use any other thing to battle the law but with the law? Now, it's a lawyer talking, you know, but that's my job. <laughs> oh, before uh, one last comment to that, too. Uh, one thing that I noted from what you said at the end was around... Um, you know, how, like, we can't tell a police officer, like, what can we do? 
we can't tell a police officer necessarily to stop violating our, our rights, especially when it comes to search and seizure. But we can assert our rights the way you have described it um, and, and ensure that it can be brought up in a court of law. Um, it's something that often comes up with uh, folks I talk with in the community. You know, we're not going to be able to prove our rights in, in that interaction per se. It's really going to come in a, court, in a court of laws, unfortunately. There is no courtroom on the street corner. That part. So you wait and you battle when you, you know, get the opportunity to do so, and you will. Pick and choose your battles. Appreciate that. Thank you. So with that, thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's late in the evening and you still made it out here really inform, informative and I think I learned a lot. Um, I think the no no still means no or no. I, no doesn't mean no. No doesn't mean no, which is kind of um, something I definitely have to ponder on. So thank you so much for taking the time. It sounds like the public might have additional discussion points that they want to have with you. So um, with that, thank you. And this is um, a motion. I'm sorry, no, this is just an item and receive file, so no vote is required. And Commissioner Carter, thank you for helping us kind of organize this. Really appreciate it. Um, and just for, for everybody else, if you guys have resources, especially as we wait for additional conversations with PD, please let us know. This is how we want to make sure that we're bringing additional information, not just to ourselves, but also to the public. So with As that. Tell you, um, no police officers are going to disagree with you. <laughs> they won't disagree. They won't. They'll tell you, that's the way we want you to do it. Because you, you end all animosity. You, you end everything. You, you force them to work. If, they're gonna, if they got the cause, they got the cause. If they don't, they don't, though. And that's what you want to stop. And I'm sorry, but I don't mean to interrupt the meeting. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, so we're going to go back to discussion item number five. And this one, I'm going to ask um, Mario to give us a quick presentation on where we are in 2018 recommendations. Good evening, Chair, Vice Chair, members of the Commission. So item five is a receive and file. This is, as you know, um, there is a backlog that uh, PD department has been going through for some time now. This is the 2018, this is written responses from the police department to the 2018 recommendations that were submitted. Um, I believe there were 27 recommendations. You have written responses to each one of those. And um, yeah, it, so that's the essence of this item. Thank you, Commissioner. Um, first, we have any members of the public wishing to speak, wishing to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips in chambers and no members of the public online with their hands raised. Great. With that, we bring it back to the Commission. Commissioner Guerrero. First, thank you so much. This is something that I think we've been waiting for for quite some time. This is the kind of partnership and work that I think exemplifies how things can work well. Um, so this is a lot of work, and I want to acknowledge that. I also want to acknowledge that um, you know, this isn't the end, right? Um, so I think the um, implementation, if we can't, we can't call it ad hoc, but I know that some of us were interested in further looking at implementation of past recommendations. We need to now review and see if we agree. And I can tell you, there are some that I agree with, which we can all now say, yes, you know, we made a recommendation and something um, substantive was impl uh, implemented. And, and I think that's worth celebrating. And there are, 
um, a few of those. I haven't had an opportunity to look at all of them, but there are certainly some that I disagree with, and I think that's where the work needs to happen, right? If there's a disagreement with the parties, then I think the recommendations are still valid for the city council to take on. I'm just gonna give a couple of examples. I only looked at one through seven. I'm not gonna go through all of them for the interest of time, but I do want to uh, you know, share them. So uh, recommendation number one, for example, um, oops, sorry about that. Um, recommendation number one, uh, the city said that it is um, approved and implemented. It is SPD does not, uh, changes to existing policy develop a long-term comprehensive sustainable diversity uh, culture change plan. I'm not gonna read the rest of it. It says approved and implemented. I would disagree with that. I don't see how the, a comprehensive plan or a committee was put together. The report that's cited um, here is a use of force report. It's not a report that's focused on diversifying SPD. So that's an example of one that I disagree with. Um, there are two recommendations that I looked at um, that I agree. Recommendation three, uh, which is, let me go to that recommendation. Recommendation three, um, review SPD current recruitment programs and practices to determine if there uh, could be improvement, hiring materials, visibility, et cetera. You can read the rest of it. Um, it appears there was this campaign. I actually did notice out in the community that there was a, a campaign. When I saw it, I said, oh, that's interesting. That's new. Um, the only follow-up would be, what's the impact? You know, did the diversity of uh, this uh, SACPD's uh, uh, force change. That goes along with recommendation number four. Um, uh, change existing policies, review recruitment, outreach efforts to analyze what is working, eliminate or tweak areas that indicate low return or lack of measurability. So um, based on what I'm reading, SACPD implemented, I would just say again, probably with recommendation number two and three, again, did we, we can see prior to those, uh, uh, we can establish a baseline, whether it's what we had in 2018, which is uh, cited in this report, or we can look at before those policies were adopted. Look at the diversity of the SACPD after implementing that, where do we stand? You know, it, that's a simple tool to see if that improved. It may not tell the whole story. There could be all kinds of reasons, people retired, et cetera, but what, you know, how did that, those policies, those changes in policy implement? But nevertheless, two and three, at least from my perspective and initial reading, those were implemented. And again, we can say, wow, we made recommendations, SACPD implemented, that is a partnership, that's something that we can celebrate. There are others that I disagree with um, uh, and others that I agree that were implemented. But I think now, um, at least for this 2018, which by the way, it's 2018 and we're in 2023. So both acknowledging, celebrating, saying thank you, but also acknowledging that you know, we still have a ways to go. Um, I would um, just suggest that a couple, since we can't have ad hocs that uh, informally, some of us may wanna get together and uh, look at the rest of these. But I'll end with saying thank you to this um, city and SACPD for putting this together and I hope to see 2019, 2020 and the other years. And I'll stop with that, but thank you. And Commissioner Guerrero, if you will recall, the actual work plan for this year is kind of trying to figure out how we actually move forward and build on this progress. Um, because it is, I mean, it, part of the reason it took a while 
it's the format is really easy to read, easy to understand, and I think at the end of the day, that's what we're going for, making sure that anybody can pick this up. Even like five years from now, when others, there's more turnover, that somebody can pick this up and be like, oh, I understand what they were asking for. So we'll continue to work. I think the work for this year, we're gonna continue to work on these recommendations because I think we want it to go as a package to city council. So, and I think you actually are part of that um, small sub, I call it a, a sub work group or something like that. Not ad hoc. Well, Madam Chair, that's the thing. I, I'm not clear how, I'm not clear how that work is moving forward because if we're an approved ad hoc, that means I think we that are, we're not an approved ad hoc. Okay. I want to be very clear. Okay. We're not an approved ad hoc. Um, and this is, you and I can take it offline, but I think you're part of this conversation. This started back in December. Right. And so building on, on that. So we're not an ad hoc. We never established that up here, but we are trying to figure out how to move the, how we actually get clarity on the recommendations that have been um, acted on by PD and how we actually move that forward so that, because I know that other council, the council members actually want to see a holistic report. So that is some of the work we are going to be doing this year. Mm -hmm. uh, Thank you for uh, that recollection, uh, Chair, and uh, appreciate the, this coming out as well. Um, this is the ne like the next step is for us to do the response, so I'm looking forward to those conversations. Um, one thing I was gonna add to was uh, to clarify too from that conversation is that we were very clear when we were creating the work plan as far back as November that the process and dis like the discussions and the work to be done with the remain like with the 115 recommendations that came before like you know that we presented from these years, that's working parallel with our work plan. It's, uh, that's why we didn't have it explicitly listed in there because the commission has done its job of pro uh, producing the recommendations in a format that was requested and it's now on the, uh, the city and the police department's uh, role to give us responses just like they did in this level of detail, which is greatly appreciated. Um, one of the things I wanna make clear on too, given that uh, the format is different than what um, uh, I remember receiving when I first joined the commission. I don't know if this was something that, this was the format that was provided um, back in 2018 or you know an earlier uh, iteration of the commission before some of us joined. But I wanna ask um, to the assistant city manager, is this the format that PD and the city wants our recommendations to be presented to them as going forward? I would say the simple answer is yes. I believe this format came out of audit recommendations. Um, I, I could be, I could be mis, misinformed on that, but yes, this is a good format. This is a good format to follow. Got you. So, I want to make sure that we like, we know that, and I would also request a copy, uh, a word copy of this, so that we can uh, have this available going forward. Um, the way I understood is that we didn't have an explicit form. We were told a couple of times, I think, well, initially the recommendations were presented in a written report, just a Word doc that had the recommendations listed out, but then we were told that that wasn't, uh, you know, that wasn't the format that the city council wanted, so we went back and changed it, and it was actually um, uh, Commissioner Guerrero, back when he was chair, who pres like provided, from my recollection, the spreadsheet format that we then moved to uh, continue on for our ad hocs. Um, going into this year. So now that we're clear and it's understood that this is the format that PD wants, 
I want to ensure that this is the format that we have going forward so that we can avoid any kind of confusion or um, misunderstandings when it comes to uh, how the PD formats it. I know that there was some comments made or, or you know, frustration expressed by the PD that they couldn't, uh, that it took them a while to process through all these. Now that we know the form, I want to ensure that this is our standard process going forward um, so that, and that this doesn't change uh, from year to year. That's, that's the intent. This is a good format, and we can use this going Great. forward. Thank you for that, uh, 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 Mr. Lara, and uh, appreciate PD getting back to us with this. Um, what my, uh, my last question is, now that we have this, we're going to go back uh, to our uh, implementation work group to talk about um, what is the timeline for uh, the remaining uh, years of recommendations, 2019 through 2021? Again, that's work that they're currently working on. They're going through 2019. We hope to have that to you um, shortly. I don't have a specific date. I don't have a, a month or a meeting that, I, that I'm going to bring that forward, but that's work. They're working on that. They're okay. putting that together. If, if that's the case and there's no set deadline or schedule when it comes to these, given that when we had this conversation back in November, the goal was to actually get some responses back um, earlier this year. We are now in June, it's halfway through the year, and we're, we're getting our first uh, tranche back. I would like to request uh, for, the, for the police department and to have in our log that um, the, for the 2019 through 2021 uh, recommendations, like, you know, one per meeting uh, between now and the end of the year. So, like, you know, ideally, since we're going on break here uh, next month, I would, uh, I would like to request that PD provide us... Um, the uh, you know their response to our recommendations for 2019 for our August meeting and then 20, uh, our 2020 recommendations uh, in September and so on. Noted. I'll, I'll I'll take that back. Yeah, and I just I just want to make sure. My understanding of what we all agreed to was that we would have the recommendations dealt by the end of the year. And I think the next step now is trying to figure out in collaboration with PD, how do they finish the other recommendations and what happens next and how we move them forward. So I really want to caution us in putting arbitrary timelines because the first priority for us right now is to get the MEU policy done. And I really would like to, I think part of the reason we had a work plan is to make sure that they're focusing all their attentions on that, getting that done first. So I, th I, I, would, I would say what we should do is have a follow-up conversation and try to figure out Will they be able to get all of this work done by the end of the year? How does that impact then the work that we need to do? And how do we work with them so that in collaboration we can move something forward to council? No, I, I definitely hear that and absolutely understand, you know, where, where our main priorities are is this year's work plan, the MEU work plan in particular right now. I'm simply putting us into the record so that uh, we have at least some measure of timeline with the understand, like, you know, and with the understanding that PD could just say, like, could say no. We, it may, it'll take us a little bit more time uh, going into the later half of this year. But I want us to get into the practice, given that this has been a five-year backlog, um, that we are setting a clear, at least some semblance of a schedule or timeline, not just for us on the commission, but also members of the public, to be able to expect when they could hear and see the response from police department when it comes to this work. So, you know. Take, I would, uh, I appreciate you taking it to PD and would just ask, you know, if, if they say no, just let us know. That's all I would ask. And this is just a, a file, um, a receive and file. So no vote required. And with that, we move to 
the next part of our agenda. Any public comments, matters not on the agenda? Um, Madam Chair, since this is a special meeting, uh, public comments are limited to agendized items. So the next item will be commissioner comments, ideas, and questions. Okay, and it, so we're moving on to um, public. Any ideas or comments from other commissioners? Um, commissioner, commissioner Bliss. Thank you, Chair. Um, I did want to make, um, I'd say with you uh, this last week that I had some um, additional questions and, and requests to make uh, for the later half of this year um, uh, when we get into the second part of our work plan, which is the accountability and organizational culture process. One of the um, uh, areas that we're looking to examine uh, for the second half of this year is uh, the fiscal policy and uh, fiscal analysis and transparency when it comes to uh, the police department's budget. And I had a few requests that I'd like to add and I will send this along after um, the meeting, which is uh, requesting documents, uh, including the, um, I'm blanking on the, uh, the acronym off the top of my head, but the pod, uh, pod data for that the police department provides for fiscal year uh, 20, uh, 22, 23 and 23, 24. Um, by, you know, broken down by program and department ID. Um, and I'd also like the FTE detail as well for that and all the budgeted information basically for fiscal year 22, 23 and 23, 24 for the later half of this year. Um, also would like a, a position budget report for fiscal year 22, 23 and 23, 24. And then the fiscal year 21 or 2020, 2021 and 2021, 2022 actuals uh, with, with all of that together. Um, and then I had some questions that I would like to add for the uh, later half when we uh, go into the fiscal analysis was um, in September 2021, uh, SPD confirmed it does not track its own budget spending down to the programmatic level and it could not provide a budget breakdown for each program and service it provided in a fiscal year, in fiscal year 2021 or 2020, 2021. Um, and as the single largest department in the city, why does uh, SPD not track the cost of its programs and services to that detail? And if it does not, still, does any city department provide the, this level of financial accounting for its programs and services? The second question is, uh, SPD's budget records show, um, or the ones that we have access to, shows a department-wide detail for each year. And... Um, I w wanted to know what role do these positions, uh, positions serve within the department um, and how many FTE positions are currently among their, those department-wide detail for 23, 24, which those documents may provide, uh, which would be great. But, uh, and then also wanting to know how many of these positions are vacant, if any. And speaking to the, uh, the point of vacancy, during the budget presentation back on May 16th, uh, the department provided the city confirmed there were currently 101 vacancies in the police department. And I'd like to know how many vacancies did uh, SPD start with in fiscal year 22, 23, and that it's ending on in 23, 24, uh, or, you know, going into the 23, 24 uh, fiscal year. How many vacancies exist in each job classification, such as police officer, dispatcher, uh, et cetera? and how many vacancies exist under each command division, such as the North Command, the Central Command, South Command, East Command, and if possible, what are the salary ranges for these vacancies if they have that information? 
And then also wanting to know, um, there, there was also during that same presentation mentioned uh, that the police department has a mandatory minimum staffing policy, um, which requires it to have like a, a minimum number of staff on, uh, on, on like, you know, uh, clocked in when it is experiencing, from my understanding, a uh, staff shortage uh, in any particular area. So I would like to know how long this policy has been in place and if this is required by city or state or city statute or state law, and is this pub policy publicly available for review? And if it is, I'd like to know what is the general order, the reference manual or city or state statute where uh, the commission can review this policy. So I will be sending all of that into uh, uh, via email uh, to you, uh, Mr. Lara, and, uh, and the rest of the city. So just wanted to put that in the public record that this will be in addition to the questions that we had submitted earlier this year with the MEU stuff and then um, uh, the accountability priorities and such. Thank you. Any other comments, questions from commissioners? Okay. And I think with that, we can adjourn. Great. So our next meeting is going to be...